going on, guys? You got Evan Knowles here and Logan Jones with the Middle Tech Podcast, and you're looking at the first iteration of our video. Not bad. Is, which is pretty crazy. It took us about 90 episodes to get, get in the video, <laughs> uh, but we're trying. We're uh, So we're always iterating on what we're going to be providing you guys as a service uh, to the ecosystem. Uh, we think that, you know, telling these stories is super important. So, you know, it's it's important for us to continue to improve what we're doing uh, so everybody can learn from these great founders. Uh, one of the big things we're doing this year is getting more into Louisville. So last season and the first season, we had some great interviews of founders in Louisville. But this year, we're really starting to get into that, you know, a lot more heavily uh, just because of the amount of great stories there are coming out of Louisville right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're working hard to connect the two cities. I mean... There's always this competition between Louisville and Lexington, the Cardinals and the Wildcats, but that's not the way to be, especially in a place as small as the state. And, you know, ultimately we all want the Commonwealth to succeed. We want the state to do better. So this is kind of part of that effort uh, that we're trying to take part in. Um, but today we're sitting down with Mac Wilkinson uh, and talking about his company, Moolathon. And, man, what a character Mac is. Yeah. He uh, he was awesome to interview, brought his little son, Mackie, with him, uh, <laughs> who, was, who was great entertainment the entire time. And uh, we got to sit down at Story Louisville. And let me, dude, Story Louisville, I felt like I was in New York City. I I've not, been in a WeWork. Yeah, I've been I did in a WeWork. I feel like I was, was in Kentucky. That was impressive. It's, yeah, it's right on par with the WeWork. But uh, we had a great conversation about uh, Mac's background as an athlete at, at the University of Louisville, um, his company that he's building, which is just totally changing the way that we raise money and do philanthropy through uh, fitness yep. and exercise. Awesome concept. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. And uh, we talk a lot about what he's learned along the way building that company. So we had we had a great conversation with him. He was a lot of fun to sit down and talk to. Ex athlete, ex athlete. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that. Did I mentioned you? that. Yeah, okay. U U of L athlete. So maybe we don't want to give that as much credit, but no. In all <laughs> seriousness, he is he was an awesome guest, and uh, we're excited to get into it. So let's do it. All right, how's it going, guys? You got Logan Jones and Evan Knowles here in Story, Louisville. Uh, this space is awesome. Uh, Evan and I got to enjoy a nice car ride with a beautiful sunset up from Lexington today. And we are sitting here with Mac Wilkinson, uh, the founder of Moolathon, to interview him about his company. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, man. We're glad to have you here. All right. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've met you a couple times around Awesome Inc. You've done the, the Five Across Pitch Competition, all that stuff. Absolutely. In, in the fellowship there. So why don't you why don't you dive into your background real quick for us? Uh, well, my name is Mac Wilkinson. I am a, uh, a lot of people may know me from playing basketball, either locally at Ballard High School or at the University of Louisville. Um, also played at Howard University. And then I played internationally for eight years. I... Uh, during uh, college, they unfortunately they don't let college athletes make uh, money or have jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. not yet. Anyway. So uh, just about every college athlete is trying to come up with some little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. God bless them. I hope it does work <laughs> Thank out. You, you know, LeBron, big part of that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about 15 years too late for that. I wish I was getting some of that action. But uh, yeah, in my quest to try to find uh, a way to make some extra cash, I. Uh, started throwing some uh, parties on campus and it turned out that my flyers were like the hottest things about my party. That's awesome. So people were coming to me asking me, hey, can you design me a flyer like that and all that stuff? And that turned into 
websites and all kinds of things. And before I graduated, I was, you know, full fledged design and branding. Where'd you get the graphic design background in the first place? Self-taught man. Yeah. Self-taught. Yeah, absolutely. Did you look look up to somebody that was already making flyers or what? I've been in design my whole life. Like, you know, I'm, whether it's been architecture or cars, you know, design is something that I've always been into. And, uh, Sometime in high school, I know it sounded kind of like the nerdiest thing, but I got into like typography and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Steve Jobs was big into typography. He, uh, yeah, that's right. It was like his, that's he right. claims his most important class in, uh, influenced the design of yeah. Apple. That's right. That's Apple. right. And about the, about the throwing parties thing, I know another entrepreneur that got their start throwing parties during college was my Elon, boy, Elon, Elon. Musk. Yeah. Oh, really? Elon Musk. Why am I out of the loop on two of like my greatest heroes? I don't know these two things <laughs> about so, my heroes. Yeah. So much in common I've actually heard that right? about Steve in the, in the, you know, typography the as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typography. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Elon Musk, him and a couple of friends, like got a big house and turned it into a club. <laughs> so that's hilarious. That, uh, that is awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to do that with my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go more into, you had a, you said you grew that digital. So you went from flyers and you're, yeah, so I was lucky enough, you know, being an athlete, I uh, had some friends that went on to, uh, I went on to play professional basketball internationally, but I had some friends to play in, you know, the NBA and stuff. And, um, you know, I was able to get on board with some big projects and work with some big companies. And, uh, you know, I guess I had my own design style and, you know, people kind of took to it. And um, I was able to work for um, one big company uh, named Anta, which is the second largest sports apparel brand in China. And, um, what I was able to do is I was able to not only, you know, design logos for athletes and work with apparel, but I was also able to get into like UI UX design when they didn't have UI UX designers to do certain things. And, um, so yeah, it's just kind of like that. I actually designed my first app when Apple, like this was like, uh, one of the original iPhones or the second, second iPhone when they announced that they were opening it up to developers. Um, cause if you remember the original iPhone, uh, you, they didn't allow any developers. It was Apple in-house stuff only. And uh, yeah, I wanted to design a social network to rival Facebook. Little did I know that Facebook could just create their own app. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was in the early days. So. What was it like balancing your know, athletics with this other side of you that was entrepreneurial and digital and design? Cause I feel like you don't hear as many stories like that with an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always on the sport. It's not as much on what they do outside mm-hmm. of the sport. Mm-hmm. What was that balance like for you? And what was that? I think it was like? perfect. You know, yeah. when I was in the, when I was in the dorm, I was always, you know, whether it was looking at Steve jobs or reading about Frank Lloyd, Wright Or, uh, you know, Dieter Rams and his 10 principles of design or something like that. You know, um, a big time design nerd. And I think just all my d- downtime in the dorms was, you know, reading about design and looking at design documentaries to this day. I mean, all my, you know, favorite documentaries I watch are about architecture and design. So what's that Netflix one called? Um, abstract, or abstract. Yes. Yeah, that abstract. was a great one. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I mean, there's probably not too many on, unfortunately this sounds kind of sad, but when I'm putting my son to sleep, I watch documentaries about four or five times a week. So <laughs> I get a lot of documentaries Learned in, it, man. man. Yeah. Learned yeah, it. absolutely. That's like my downtime. When I decompress, I watch documentaries. Yeah. So. Designers are fascinating people, man. They're, they just look at the world differently. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. take their perspective and they shove it into objects or, yeah. you know, technology mm-hmm. and you just get this unique perspective. I think it's the amazing thing about art and yeah, designers. I mean, well, design is everywhere. You can't do anything without design. Every Absolutely. Thing that we're looking at in this room. Somebody has the designed. space. Yeah. Somebody designed an okay, amazing yeah. space well, here this, in story. This space is story is a yeah. different. It's a yeah. different story because it's so, I feel like I'm in New York. Or something. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so sleek. And Absolutely. That just speaks to the design. And, you know, yeah. I feel like, 
I mean, this may be biased, but I feel like architecture is probably the highest form of expression of design. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know. That's why the, I'm the only abstract episode I watched actually was the Bjarke Ingels. Oh, I love him. He's yeah, crazy, he's, man. Yeah, he's awesome, man. Yeah. He's young too, man. He grew up out of uh, nowhere. Did. A lot of people. He didn't, are, he didn't even go to college for architecture, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of other somewhat famous architects that that don't give him a lot of credit or are kind of a yeah. little bit jealous of him. Some yeah. people say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's Bjork Ingels is the man. Well, so. talk about uh, you know your transition into entrepreneurship. You know, mm-hmm. uh, before you got on, you said uh, you you always like to. Uh, answer the or the the question of where the idea come from always throws you in a loop so talk about that story of where Moveathon you know came from all right so the only reason why that throws me for a loop is just because like I said um, how it started the original idea is not at all what Moveathon evolved into Um, so I was running on the big four bridge if you're from Louisville you know exactly what the big four bridge is Um, it's a popular place outdoor place to work out and I was running with my running partner at the time, and we ran the same route like every single day, four or five times a week. And uh, he being into social media looks at me and says, um, you know, I wonder if I write my time down in chalk at the end of this bridge, will people, you know, join in and start writing their times along too and maybe make it a thing, maybe make it like a little local viral type thing or whatever. Yeah. And that was really awesome. And coincidentally, this happened to be Every summer, my nephews from Atlanta come in. I got four nephews from Atlanta to come in, and uh, two of them are twin boys. But they were this is during the Pokemon Go craze and everything. Oh, yeah. And so they would have me take them to these Pokemon Go gyms, and we would literally be seeing, like, just random locations, 20, 30 other kids walking around with their phones trying to catch these little Pokemon and stuff. It was crazy, man. It was like zombies walking around. It was insane, insane. But I remember hearing the rhetoric of some of the parents that were also there taking kids there or whatever, like, oh, well, at least they're getting outside and stuff. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, they're not actually doing anything, right? And so um, just in that running and hearing him say that and, and the timing of my nephews being there, I thought about, wow, what if there was like a virtual gym, because they called them on Pokemon Go, like the Pokemon Go gyms where you go battle people and get Pokemon all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What if there was like a virtual gym that had a virtual start point and a virtual end point and people could go there and there would be a virtual leaderboard and you could compete, whether six or 650 people ran at that outdoor particular gym, in this case, the Big Four Bridge, um, then you could compete. And I'm thinking from an athlete um, competitive aspect, you know, this will keep me in shape because I'm competitive and I want to compete to be the best. However, when I went home, I, I researched and found out that, you know, not only did that not exist, but it was fulfilling a niche in the industry that I didn't know uh, didn't exist, which is real world comparables. Right. And so a lot of apps out there, they'll allow me and you to be friends. Right. And, and be social about how we're working out. But I'm six foot eight, 250 pounds. How I run a mile is completely different than how you might run a mile. Right. And so uh, with gathering information and all that stuff, what we are able to do is we're able to not only see how you compare to be the best, right, and rank and, uh, amongst everyone, but we can also see how you rank amongst those of a similar age, of a similar height, of a similar weight, and you can break down those real-world comparables. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so if you were to summarize exactly what you're building right now, elevator pitch. Talk about what is Moolathon. So Moolathon is a social fundraising platform that's built on a fitness tracker, and it gives businesses, charities, groups, teams, and individuals the ability to raise money for a cause through the pursuit of a cause that everyone can relate to, which is getting fit. Yeah. Let's, let's break it down a little bit. So for those people that don't 
maybe haven't been tracking you know the wearables space a whole lot. Talk mm-hmm. about what wearables are, some brands they might be familiar with. Well, actually, we're launching iPhone only, and okay. we plan on being available on the Apple Watch um, within a month. Nice. So um, wearables are just about everything, as the statistics show. Just about everyone, um, just about everyone uh, is still exercising with their phone, over 60% of the industry. Uh, but more so than anything, uh, people are trending towards wearables, which is like Apple Watches and Garmin's and things like that. Yeah. So you're taking that data and then you're doing what with it on the app? You're putting it into a, a digestible form. Oh, we'll get to how it evolved into what it is <laughs> later, but I'll tell you how Mulathon works. Mulathon works in two ways. Um, if you're an individual looking to create, uh, raise money for a cause with the miles that you personally run a walk, you create a campaign, you share that with friends and family via social media and email, and then they then pledge a dollar amount per mile limited to a maximum number of miles they set. So you set up a campaign and I say, I'm willing to give you $2 a mile for every mile you walk or run or bike up to uh, 50 miles. What I'm really telling you is I'm willing to give you $100 but you have to go out and earn it. And now you go out and wherever you are, you track your, your mileage with Moolathon mm-hmm. and um, every mile that you run earns a bit more of each contributor's pledge. So, and that quickly adds up, you know, this yeah. person giving you $2, $1 over here, $2 over here. Next thing you know, you're making $5 a mile. Yeah. Um, the other way that Moolathon works is via virtual event. We help um, expand the fundraising reach of schools, charities, uh, just about any group of people, Um, any organization or group of people. Um, And how we do that is we allow them to create virtual events and they send it out. It creates a link and uh, they send that out to their supporters via email and social media. And then people can then sign up for that event and then participate in that event anytime, anywhere. So they can use the fitness tracker to participate in a 5k. And so you can imagine that now you don't have to, you know, ask people to wake up at 730 in the morning on a Saturday to come show up. And that's actually the reason why those events, they actually have like a lot of overhead and pretty bad returns, conversion rates as far as like getting people to sign up. Mm -hmm. So um, it's actually less than a 5% conversion rate for to get someone to actually come to your event. So to get 100 people to show up, for example, you would have usually had to ask over 2,000 people yeah. to show up. And that's usually just because it's an inconvenient experience. So yeah. uh, we're adding that element of convenience to it. That's a really exciting idea because you're scaling those yeah. concepts, right? Yeah. You don't have and- to be there in a physical location. You know, If they do a 5K here to support um, you know, breast cancer for people in Louisville, well, if somebody might have moved from Louisville to New York and wants to participate because they have ties here in Louisville, absolutely, they can participate now. Absolutely, and I'll tell you what. Um, so, or groups and organizations have you know been interested in us for two ways, um, either as a virtual extension to a physical event that they're already having, mm-hmm. so they can have that physical event. And like I said, they have less than a five percent conversion rate because it's an inconvenient experience. So now they can use Mulathon, they can have that event, and then use Mulathon to offer that event for another 30, 60, or 90 days virtually. So it, le- it allows them to reach more people. Also, people like AAU teams and basketball teams and things like that, they're able to uh, use this as a low overhead option. You know, they don't have to use all the money and stuff like that to go through it. I think what excites me about this whole thing is how I could see this going so viral and mm-hmm. just raising a, a, a large sum of money in one fell swoop. I mean, you know, you get you get a celebrity on there that's like, hey, I want everyone to join in on this 5K with me. Mm-hmm. And then everyone starts, you know, that can turn into millions of dollars raised mm-hmm. just with one event. Mm-hmm. I, that's just, 
That sounds so exciting. To me. Well, which brings us to like, you know, one of our big go to market strategies. You know, we're very lucky to have um, Rajan Rondo, point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers, involved with the company. And, um, you know, he's very excited about the idea. You know, all these professional athletes have foundations. Um, you know, a lot of them are looking for creative ways to give back to their community and inspire feel good approaches like, um, you know, fitness, Wellness. for example. Yeah. You know, so. let's, let's go through, you know, your, um, pro- progress as a company. So you had the idea and then Logan mentioned that you pitched at five across mm-hmm. Talk about some of the milestones that you've had so far and, um, you know, your experiences with those. So awesome Inc. I think in general has been, um, a blessing to us. Not only were we able to compete in five across, but um, just the resources that Awesome Inc. provides. And we were lucky enough to be invited to take part in the Awesome Inc. Fellowship, um, you know, which has been great for us. Uh, But aside from Awesome Inc., uh, in 2019, we won the Vote Award. I say 2019, like that was more than two (laughs) months ago. (laughs) It's uh, it's February. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but we won a Vote Award and we were able to participate in the Vote Accelerator and, um, you know, that was a really great experience. It was 10 weeks and, uh, we were able to raise a little grant money. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've just been involved in a lot of things, just growing, building the product. We started testing in March, um, of 2019. And, uh, that experience has been really amazing for us, uh, just how the product has evolved, listening to customers, um, and sort of crafting that user experience. Yeah. Uh, we'll get today. into that, that listening to customers and crafting the user experience here yeah. uh, when we talk about your learnings. But uh, let's dig into a few more questions with the company. How did you go about building the team? Is it just, is it you? Talk about what your team looks like. Yeah. So right now it's myself. You probably know a couple of guys that I've got working with me up at uh, Awesome Inc. So we've got Tommy Warner, who's our lead iOS developer. Um, Gary Deitch, who's been helping us with some That's development. Really well. Kind of gave uh, us the plug for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gary's the man, man. You know, there's no, uh, it's crazy. I don't think there's any more perfect person to join the Moolathon team oh, than Gary. Yeah. This yeah, guy so. is a, uh, not only a marathoner, but he's a coach, a running coach that helps other people run marathons. Yeah. Um, he's even competed in some ultra marathons yeah. and stuff. And he, uh, is a developer. And uh, is a product manager and stuff. So it's like, you know, (laughs) it's like a match made in heaven. So No, I mean, seriously, I see Gary post on Instagram running like 15 miles at a time. Yeah. Lord, you get somebody pledging a couple dollars. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny, too. Gary wrote an awesome article. He sent it to me. And uh, this was just before he had joined the team, probably about four or five months ago. And he said uh, in the article, and this was unprompted. We had probably lost touch. I probably hadn't talked to him in like three months or something like that. And this article, he said, I'm inspired by what the guys at Moolathon are doing, right? And um, that was really cool to me. And he did like a sort of like an analog version. He wanted to do like an analog fundraiser. And um, he said, you know, he reached out, he sent it to me, and I hadn't talked to him in months. And he said, this could be a really good, like, you know, customer discovery type of thing for you guys. And, uh, yeah, we touched base and, you know, we took off from there. And, uh, like I said, Gary's been sort of the perfect team member to jump on board. Yeah. And you you said some of your teams distributed too. Yeah. Matt. So Matthew Gatner, he's, uh, helping us do like a lot of our like fallback pages and things like that. He's also helping us with some of our payment stuff. Um, he's based out of North Carolina. Um, so we had another guy here, uh, that was helping us, uh, just on some freelance stuff here in Louisville. And then we've got people like, uh, Rajan, who's, you know, sort of be helping us. He's, well, he's with, everywhere. He's yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's traveling, but, uh, he's, 
he's more of like the recruiter and the the mouthpiece for us and yeah. stuff. So That's yeah, right. absolutely. Talk about so. the biggest challenges you've faced so far. So so far in your journey, uh, what's been maybe one or two of the things that you felt you had to cause you the most stress or biggest learning curve? Well, I think anybody in technology will probably say, I mean, is is definitely getting a product to market. Um, yeah, no matter how much you think you know until you get that product in the customer's hands it's really i mean there's just so many moving pieces especially with us i mean we're converting miles to money and uh you know working with charities organizations and individuals and uh it's it's really something that's that's never really been done before we're combining two industries which is crowdfunding and fitness and uh yeah just just you think you got to figure it out and then uh, somebody finds another hole in something. So Yeah, I think for anybody, you know, wanting to start a company, what you just mentioned, that part of the process when you're beginning to test the market, speak to the market, understand if this is an issue, understand if it's something they're looking to buy. Talk about how you go about that process. Are you emailing these people? Are you visiting them in person? Are you calling? You know, how are you going about this this process? Yeah, so pretty much we've been, you know, getting the app into people's hands and we've yeah. been, you know, just communicating with those people. Uh, you know, of course, the app has built in feedback stuff, but uh, emails, feedback and newsletters is, is pretty much how it is. Okay. Um, you know, lucky enough through the tech community, through places like Story, I've probably met 20 or 30 of our testers in this building right here. Yeah. Um, so just meeting people, telling them about the product and people just excited enough. And then... Um, also too, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but just sort of choosing the right people to test the ones that are going to give you that feedback that, you know, yeah, um, feedback. well, I mean, it's a mixture too. I mean, you, you, when I say choosing the right people, it's not just saying only like techie people who can give you techie feedback. I mean, my mother is, you know, someone yeah. you need to understand how the user behavior of just about anyone. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you need to have people testing it who are going to be able to break it in some way. Yes, have absolutely. Somebody, have somebody that's good. Poke holes. You know, if, yeah, if you, if you mm -hmm. only put it in the hand of people who understand how to use technology really well, then you're missing out on all this feedback. From 100%. Who, you know, not everyone that is going to get your app is yeah. going to know exactly how to use a phone. So that's the feedback that's probably most important. Most them. important, yeah. hands down, hands yeah. down. And how they see the app, you know, from a user experience mm -hmm. perspective, um, their behavior while they're on the app, um, you know, uh, it's the technical person is yeah. going to look over your shoulder too and watch them sometimes watch how they navigate it. Right. 100%. Yeah. 100%. How do you go about, you said you had some in-app feedback. What mm -hmm. does that look like? Uh, it's mostly screenshots and email. It's kind of like a screenshot okay. email type thing. Got it. So uh, just about anyone who's tested an app on test flight is familiar with beta feedback, but we also, um, you know, most of the people that are testing our platform are also on our email list. So we also, Email people directly, like when they give us feedback, we email them people directly. Um, we have a newsletter that goes out. Um, there's endless ways. Just about everywhere you go, when people know you're the founder of a company, they've got, you know, they've got feedback for you. It would be interesting if I could do this on the app or, you know. What, let's talk about some of that feedback. You know, what are some of the things that you got feedback on that you maybe didn't expect or they were totally out of the blue? Uh, I've got a list of things in my head that are so fresh because, I mean, yeah. we, we actually just had our, our call before I came up here. Um, but I mean, little things, I mean, I can tell you the things we discussed today, like, uh, you know, in the app, there's a, uh, search and discover page that has like a unified list and people are like, you know, this is a little too confusing each, uh, there's campaigns and events all within a unified list. And so 
talking to the team and trying to simplify that and make it easier for users to access their information, how the profile looks, how they access different things on the profile. Um, it's, it's literally so many things. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much. So, yeah. yeah. Well, for, for a second talk, like big picture next couple of years, do you have any big directions you want to take this new ideas that maybe in the next few iterations of, of this app, of this platform, Mm -hmm. what do you ultimately want it to look like? Yeah, I have a full development roadmap and, um, I think the end game or the, the end goal or, you know, how I see it right now developing into is we want to monetize fitness, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and I see us eventually, and this is way big picture, um, possibly, you know, turning into like a Groupon meets fitness type of thing to where, um, we can sort of start, um, you know, encouraging businesses to encourage people to be healthier. So using augmented reality and machine learning, people placing things like Moolah coin outside of your favorite coffee shop. So to get 2% off of a discount, you do five pushups or something like that. So using fitness tracking to help people get, um, discounts. I don't want to go too much into something that I haven't built yet. So. <laughs> That's cool. But Just, yeah. I mean, hey, somebody's still got to build it, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The idea is a small part of a company. It's Man, I tell you what, that's, yeah, anybody can have ideas. Yeah. It's executing yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on a podcast, someone was asking me about that the other day, and I was like, listen, anyone can have ideas. It's yeah. the people that can actually execute and yeah. persevere through all the roadblocks yeah. that you're going to hit along the way, too. Yeah. That's always, the crazy part. It's always funny when people like hold ideas too close to the chest. Yeah. My, my philosophy is like, if I have a good idea, I'm trying to tell anybody that might be able to give me any kind of feedback. Yeah. I want pull. I want yeah. people to poke holes in it. Yeah. So at my state, so there's two different things. There's ideas that you're, you know, that you should definitely throw on the wall and see what sticks. Right. right. But then there's also when you're building a product and there's something that you haven't had that, you know, there's something you're going to build, yeah. but you haven't raised the money to build yet. Or that you haven't, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, there's those things too. So yeah. <laughs> the latter, you don't want to share as much of. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this is a very regional podcast. So if somebody's out there, you know, in Silicon Valley with all this tech, yeah. you know, you guys, you guys are just asking me about big picture. You got to think big picture too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, no, we are. Don't worry. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's actually go small picture. Let's bring it into Louisville. Okay. Talk about your experience here in Louisville so far. We like to always, towards the end of these episodes, give the markets or the ecosystems that we're in feedback, you know, mm-hmm. just like you got with the product. Because mm-hmm. um, part of our mission is to improve the ecosystem through stories, but also so these entrepreneurs can say what they need to say in order to improve the, the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. So talk about, let's start with the good things. Uh, the pros that you've noticed in the Louisville market or Lexington market, because you spent a lot of time in Lexington. Yeah. Let's just say between Louisville and Lexington, major pros that you've seen or felt in the markets. Well, accessibility is big here. Um, you know, if, if to there's other people, somebody, to, you think, to, yeah, to yeah. the network, to other people, um, usually once you're sort of in this network, if there's somebody you can think of that's doing something cool, you can reach out pretty easily within a phone call or two that's that's and get a hold that's of someone. And that's days. that's probably the coolest part about like what's going on yeah. here yeah. is accessibility. Um, you know, we have founders beers once a month. That's like, you know, you meet the all the tech founders from the city and from even from Lexington, a few of them, um, you know, they sit down and have beers and we talk. You know, I don't think there's a lot of ecosystems. There's probably ecosystems that have groups and cliques of people that do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in Louisville, I mean... It, you, it's two degrees of separation in almost any direction. 
Yeah. So that's, that's probably that's it. the good thing about being in a city that's big but not too big. Right. Absolutely. You know, we're not New York or San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. LA or anything like yeah. that. That, that mm-hmm. two degrees of separation, I think, is hugely important for this area Mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. keeps everyone connected and then on top of that you have this layer of people being willing to collaborate yes and willing to work together yes and then when you combine those two uh, i i just hope that we stay on the pace that we've seen recently it's hard telling what this area could do yeah absolutely stays on that pace absolutely absolutely i mean with just this podcast and we've said this so many like that's that's one of the biggest things that our guests say is a is a pro yeah, and you know we feel it because we have never had anybody turn us down for an episode. Like, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. reach out to somebody mm-hmm. mostly on LinkedIn. I reached out to you on LinkedIn. Yeah, say hey, what's up? You come back. Here we are. Probably I reached out to you what? Yeah, three or four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And here we are. So like that's the kind of vibe that mm-hmm. I love about this region mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that willingness mm-hmm. um, to just get out there and, and meet people and help. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So cons, what needs to improve? What have you been annoyed by? Well, I wouldn't say annoyed by anything, but I do think that, you know, not at our own fault, but just because of the position that we've been in, we are somewhat of a follower city. You know, mm-hmm. it, it does take us to look at what someone else is doing. And yeah. we always, you'll hear people all the time say things like, you know, we want to be the next Austin or we want to be the next, you know, whatever, which is fine. You know, that's totally fine. But it also uh, doesn't leave as much room for innovation and, you know, carving your own path type things. But I do think that Louisville, you know, I hate to be, I guess people outside of Louisville don't know it's cliche, but I hate to be somewhat cliche and say I, I do think that Louisville has potential to be that next Austin. When you combine the network that's here, like we just talked about, when you combine the fact that it's low cost of living, actually only six companies won um, a vote award that I was telling you about. Um, it's sort of a big deal around here. And uh, one of the guys uh, that started another company, Borderless Rafi, moved here from New York. Uh, off the strength of, you know, cost of living, resources. Yes. And uh, he did yes. his research. And he actually, you know, I thought it was a cool story because he actually, like, was thinking, hmm, where can I move to start That's my awesome. company? And he chose Louisville. So I, It's kind of like what Gary uh, Gary V says about building your own brand. Louisville is essentially building their own brand in mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Embrace basketball, embrace bourbon, yeah. embrace healthcare. horse racing, healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, be Louisville, but just copy some of the things that Austin's doing well. You don't have to be exactly like Austin. Yeah, take keep what, the culture. Keep the culture. Copy a little bit of the of maybe the uh, the community aspect and the the way that they handle their startup community down there. Yeah, but for the most part, just be Louisville. You know, be I, I think we're one element away. I think you know if we start getting some like real money in, mm-hmm. influx in here, I think yeah. that you know it, we'll start to see that. We'll start yeah. to see entrepreneurs moving from other states to come here to start companies. That's one of the other things we hear as a con um, is access to capital, yeah. especially angel. And it's C. definitely the biggest con I yeah. would say is um, access to capital. Um, and almost unless you're in the healthcare industry. I mean, it yeah. seems like, you know, healthcare, everything here is healthcare related. So healthcare companies get funded, not going to say easily, but more often than other and, tech companies. And here's a question along with those lines is, do you think the capital might be here, but the cultural, um, idea of startups and funding that kind of that that portion of maybe a portfolio which is higher risk but higher reward do you think Absolutely. the culture is a part of that do you think the money's here or do you think it's just truly the money's not here no i think you know a lot of the big money that's here and the 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 older money that's here that's it's tied to like horse racing and ford and safe bets and things mm-hmm. like that and yeah. i do think that we need to inject some of that okay to fail Industrial. um type of thing you know that's one of the biggest things about silicon valley i mean it probably hurt 
them in the long run. I don't know if you can say Silicon Valley's hurt, but it's somewhat, you know, lessen their image a little bit is that okay to fail mentality. But you have to have that. You have to have risk takers and people who aren't so, you know, people are a little bit more loose with their wallet so that, um, you know, the, the community can Giving grow. people opportunities. Yeah, I mean, we, you're only going to get some of those big Uber stories and things like that if you do have some people that are taking those risks. And I think that's probably what Louisville is missing. We're missing capital and we need one of those big Uber stories. Like, you know, there were several yeah. stories out of Austin that was like, you know, yeah, let's see, you know, exact target. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we need like a big breakout story, I think. Yeah. Um, as we sit in story, Louisville, but, <laughs> but on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You want to dive into learnings now? What are, what are some of your biggest learnings starting Lilithon? Uh, in relation to the app itself or in relation to the business? Or? Uh, if you have two different learnings for each one. Then yeah. Each them. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the app is ever evolving. I mean, I don't think hopefully we'll never stop learning with a product. I guess that, that would probably be something that anybody who's developing a product would hope for. Um, hopefully we're always learning with um, the app and we continue learning. Um, I think the biggest thing is probably just saying yes. You know, saying yes to this podcast. That's how we get here. Yeah. Um, saying yes to pitch competitions and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm pitching next month at uh, Venture Connectors, which is sort of like a huge thing. We were talking about capital. Mm-hmm. Venture Connectors is actually one of the, the few places where um, a lot of people with capital sort of gather in one place. Um, so, yeah, I'd say just saying yes to things probably is, is the biggest uh thing just gotcha. taking advantage of every opportunity yeah and we always like to end the podcast on a forward-looking statement i think you're going to do a good job of this because you're from louisville you're an athlete mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. uh where do you see the city of louisville going i think you might have touched on this a little bit a second ago mm-hmm. but talk about your forward-looking statement for louisville and kind of weave in you know Mulathon a little bit with that yeah i would love for louisville man i i just said it was so cliche but i would love for louisville to become that next city where like I said, people are are looking to to move here because of the advantages they see in the landscape. Um, I I I would really take pride in being one of the companies that uh, grows here, hires people from here, um, hires people from other places, diversifies. Um, yeah, I think you know the big picture for Louisville is to, and you know Microsoft sees these things too. You know Microsoft is investing. They're money. here for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're here for exactly. a reason. I mean, and you know from what I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not. This is hearsay, um, but you know we've got more companies that are using machine learning and uh, with these logistics companies, uh, which is one of the big reasons why Microsoft is coming here. You know with. Amazon and uh, Zappos and UPS and all these companies are big time logistics companies and stuff. And um, yeah, I just think, you know, if we can get some of that big KFC, UPS, Amazon money into the hands of entrepreneurs so that they can build cool things, then this city will be exactly where it's supposed to be. 